Blog Talk Radio. There's a direct relationship between having the businesses and being in prison. Go find an see how many Asians you can find in American prisons. They ain't going to be in there. But 51% of your prison will be black because you don't blacks don't have any businesses and industries. There's a direct link. Blacks won't practice group economics. Blacks won't practice group politics. If you don't practice, you're setting yourself up. I told that five-story building, you're setting yourself to get wiped out. Understand the nature of race, which is economic. If you, if you build the first floor, it's economic. Build your businesses and your industries. Control business and industry, and put that pools in your money. And hold that money. And, it's a, and practice group economics <clears throat> with it. Arab and Asian money bounces 12 or 13 times what it leaves. Jewish money bounces 18 times. Black folk got to learn how to practice group economics. Black Americans spend every penny they get outside their own community. Then you take the money and the wealth that you get from that first floor and go to the second floor. The second floor is politics. You then take that money on the first floor and you control your politics. Black folk must quit allowing people to tell them to go out and vote. Vote for what? Nobody's going to do anything for black folk in politics. Politics is controlled by money. Major corporations who got the money. That's what controls politics. If you have no money, you have no say-so, you have no benefits coming. So you take your money and you control and you take your money on the first floor, you buy every politician on the second floor. And any politician you can't buy, you rent or lease them to get what you need. Then once you get the second floor under control with the politician with your money, then you go to the third floor. The third floor is then is the police department and the court system. You take your money from the first floor and your politics on the second floor and you control the court system and the police department. Then the fourth floor is the fourth floor that is media. You then take the money that you generate off the first floor from business and industries <clears throat> and you go after radio stations, TV stations, newspapers, and cable systems so that you can now inform and communicate with your own people. Right now, <clears throat> black folk own and control less than 35 thousandths of 1% of the media in the United States. Out of 12,000 radio stations, black folk own about something like about 75 or 80. That's all. You own no cable systems. You don't have a daily newspaper. You have nothing of importance. You don't. You got about one black TV station, and you, so you can't communicate with your people. You can't inform your people. You can't do anything. You can have Rush Limbaugh and all the rest of the guys talking about racism all day long and bad mouthing you. And O'Reilly, they can talk, call black folk all kind of names all day long. What are you going to do? You can't respond. You can't even communicate with your own people because you don't have a, you don't have an economic base. Fifty-one percent of all the prisoners in the United States are black people. You know, even though you only make up twelve percent of the population, that's no accident. It's because you don't control the economics and the politics. And they're going to go after the weakest people they can get their hands on to incarcerate them. That's the black folk. And what are you going to do in response to them when they, when they, when they over-incarcerate you? You're going to go out and have a march, a demonstration. We're going to march. March for what? Who cares? Marches they never change anything. Hello everyone, um, my name is Jimmy, guess you can call me Jimmy the Tramp, because I'm homeless, I'm living in my car, I'm 48 years old, and um, I've been living this way only for a couple weeks now, thankfully, uh, but my troubles started, uh, well, a long time ago, uh, I guess I'll, I'll be telling you everything about myself, um, 
how I got to the situation that I'm in and how I'm going to get myself out of it and uh, where I'm going to go from here as it all happens. Um, I'm starting this channel to give myself something to do, keep myself occupied um, so I don't get too damn depressed. It's depressing uh, living in your car, to say the least. Um, but a little background, um, I'm in New Mexico right now. I'm here because uh, my ex-wife lives here with my two daughters. I have two kids, one's 16 and one's 13, which I love them both dearly. Um, we had moved here in 2007 from California. Um, don't want to get too much into that right now since this is just an introduction video. Uh, to, to make a, uh, to sum up kind of how I got where I am really quick, uh, I had a car accident. I was on the freeway. Uh, I was coming home from work. Um, I was working in the oil fields. I worked two weeks on. I'd had one week off. It was the day before Thanksgiving and coming home from my week off and um, someone rear-ended me. Um, Everyone slammed on their brakes on the freeway, and I was basically almost stopped, maybe two, three miles an hour I was moving. And the guy that was behind me hit me almost full speed, um, around 70 miles an hour. I ended up having surgery on my back. I had something called the laminectomy, or they cut off the bone off of uh, three of uh, vertebra in my lower back. But I had a lot of problems I still have. I mean, I'm screwed for life, basically. I had herniated discs in my neck and in my lower back, and I've never been the same since. Even after the surgery, um, my career in the oil field, obviously, has come to an end. My heavy lifting days are over. But I'll get to a, a lot of that stuff uh, in later videos, um, so I'm just kind of introducing myself kind of one of the reasons how I got to the point where I'm at now living in my car um, so I'm gonna take you through my uh, daily life what what it's like to live on the streets and live in a car in case you've never done it before I put an ad on Craigslist last night uh, in Albuquerque and uh, I got a number of responses from people and they were all positive which you know, I really kind of appreciated. I knew that um, the, the ad that I put up was just saying basically, hey, I'm I'm homeless. I'm living in my car. I'm alone, uh, and I'm lonely. I wanted somebody to talk to, and I got a number of uh, emails which I appreciated getting from everybody, and they were all positive. Or other people telling me about their experiences, uh, having been homeless or going through tough situations, and. Uh, I, I was kind of surprised because I thought, yeah, I'm probably going to get a bunch of trolls that are going to, you know, come talk shit. And even making these videos, I know that's very possible and I'm sure it will happen. Someone's going to come along and just got to say something. Whatever. I'm trying to stay positive and I'm going to get myself out of this. Um, once you guys know, too, right off the bat, I'm not in this situation because I'm a drug addict or alcoholic, I'm not doing dope, I'm not drinking, I do like to have a drink, but uh, that is definitely not the reason why I'm here, um, 
all my things right now. I moved out of my house um, that I was renting uh, at the beginning of June, and I put all my stuff into a couple storage units, and um, which the rent is coming up due soon, and I don't have the money to pay it. <laughs> anyway, so what I'm going to do today is I am going to do what I do every day. I'm going to go over to the library. I'm going to upload this video to YouTube, my first video. And I'm going to um, search for a job like I do every day. I spend all day there uh, applying for jobs and, you know, take a little time off to surf the net. But um, then later tonight when it gets dark, I'll go find my dark, quiet spot to park my car and uh, go to sleep. <clears throat> I don't know if I'll make another video today. I'll probably, I might start tomorrow and uh, show you my daily routine. Anyway, so I, I hope everybody that's watching will, <clears throat> you know, have something positive to say. Uh, I mean, I don't know what you can say. You really don't know me yet. But I'm going to be making these videos. Um, it's, uh, it's something I like to do. I've got the camera, so why not? Anyway, so thanks for watching, and uh, check back soon. I'm definitely going to be posting these daily. Um, so like I say, you can get to know me, how I got here, how I'm going to get myself out of this situation, and where I'm going to go from here. So thanks for watching. All right, today's podcast is titled Retirement Literacy, Homeschooling, for baby boomers, six one nine seven six eight two nine four five. I ran across a couple of videos yesterday. Uh, I think the lady's name is Elizabeth White. Lives in uh, lives in or near Washington D.C. In any event, at the t she wrote a book. Oh man, I forgot the name of the book. Something like fifty five and faking it. Anyway, it's she wrote a book that's very relevant for baby boomers. Because you have many baby boomers who have reached retirement age or about to reach retirement age, but they find out they can't retire. Uh, they're they're looking for work. Um, many are losing homes, um, trying to figure out what to do. So we'll be back with our guests on homeschooling, how how, how baby boomers and Generation Xs uh, can benefit from homeschooling um, so they can, I guess, get on track for retirement. And now, an exclusive first look at the upcoming documentary, 7 a.m. We are that age of children who we were supposed to reap all the benefits mm -hmm. of integration. Mm -hmm. Dr. Anderson... I don't see, I'm 36 and I'm telling you, I don't see where those benefits were. The generational wealth, the legacy, the institutions, the organizations that white kids have or even Asian kids have, I have never had access to any of those kind of things. It's never been, there's never been a similar type of structure for me. <clears throat> what happened to our inheritance? You don't, you don't have an inheritance, that's what I meant. If, if, if you don't have any wealth, what are you passing on? But, See, we've spent most of our lives focusing politically on things that are non-inheritable. See, when the Civil Rights Movement started, you're talking about your, in your integration years, that you're a product of an integrated generation. 
what, what does your generation focus on? You focus on welfare, food stamps, public housing, okay, civil rights, social integration, preferential treatment, uh, getting a job. How, how do you inherit that? Those things. What is there to inherit? And 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 a typical white person right now, as an example, wealthy, they live on eighty-seven percent of their income comes from unearned income. They're getting from unearned income. They're getting from 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 from, from Wall Street, from the stock market. They're getting it from, from rent, rental payments, from property owned. They're getting it from, from trust accounts. They got unearned income coming. Where is your black unearned income? What's that going to be? Food stamp, welfare, uh, unemployment compensation? Where are you going to get unearned income from? And they keep telling black every black generation, integrated into it, that you've inherited something. What have you got to inherit? What black family you know is passing on any resources, any wealth to their children? Every, see, and so that means that. So what I'm saying then is that every white child, at birth, he come, he hits this earth, in his community, in his church, in his family, in his neighborhood, in his school, in his race, with 87 percent of what he needs to be successful in life. He can reach out, unlike you just said, at any time and touch what he wants. He can go down the street and find banks. He can go find people that's in business. He can get cousins and relatives as, as, as professional people. He can touch it anytime he wants to. The 87 average white kid comes in with 87% of what he needs. You as a black person, you come in with zero. You come in with zero. You gotta compete against a white child that has 87%, you come in with zero. So what they're gonna tell you is that, that's okay, you just gotta run fast and jump higher. And that's not fair to black children. Black people have to learn that you gotta you gotta start developing wealth and resources and pass it on to these children so they can be at least competitive and quit focusing on this, this waste of time stuff about something that's, that's irrelevant that you can't measure. Oh, I'm leaving my kids some hope. I'm leaving him with a good mind. I'm giving him with the blessing of a family. Now, all that stuff. Is in, no, he needs something to compete against that guy that got 87 percent. All right, like I said, the Today's podcast is titled Retirement Lives Home for Baby Homes. And I guess throwing Generation X is just the last few numbers 619-768-2945. Yesterday I ran across a book and a couple of videos. Um this was written um the lady's name, all right, the name of the book is 55 Unemployed and Faking Normal. And I think the lady's name who wrote that book is Elizabeth, yeah, matter of fact, it's Elizabeth White. I've already reached out to her to, to get her on here uh, for a live stream, but she wrote a book uh, titled 55 Unemployed and Faking Normal, One Woman's Story of Barely Scraping By. So, and I think she has a Facebook page, 55 and Faking Normal. Now, she is, uh, I guess she was 55 when she wrote the book. She's in her early 60s now. Um, but she hit upon a demographic which is huge in the United States, not only in the United States, but globally. But let, let's take it from a Western, a Western country point of view. Um, you have a number of baby boomers who have reached retirement age. And you have some Generation Xers, I guess, about to reach retirement age. 
uh, and they can't afford to retire. Um, and we're not just talking about the greeters that you might see in Walmart, but you see them that they're driving Uber. They could be working uh, on a register uh, at uh, a fast food place. They cannot afford to retire. They still have more. Many still have mortgages. Some have lost their homes to foreclosures. Uh, there's no children that have been evicted. Um, some who have nice homes and nice neighborhoods have had to rent out rooms in their homes um, just to stay afloat. Some have t- taken, you know, they go to the welfare office. So um, I'm looking at it as retirement literacy. I think that's something that should be taught like like probably as early as middle school, sixth grade, seventh grade, something like that. Um, the time to think about it is not when you're about to retire. Then there are a number of people that have been company people. They've worked for a company for 19 years and one year away from that retirement, and then they got fired. Some some start businesses, some don't. Uh, then some people have retired, and then the company becomes insolvent. So all those years that they've contributed into that, that pension fund for that company, now they don't get it. So, And they're in scramble mode because they never planned. They didn't have a plan B. The company retirement fund was the plan A and was the only plan. So now they might be in their 40s, 50s, 60s, maybe even 70s, what do they do? Well, we're in a constantly changing world, and there's a lot of opportunities that are opening up or have opened up via the World Wide Web because people, you have now people, you have people that are they're going to school online. Um, you can go to college online. You can go to law school online. Uh, you can start a business online. Uh, however, it does take you, you're going to have to reinvent yourself and re-educate yourself. So homeschooling uh, now more than ever is probably the right tool for somebody to get themselves, uh, I don't know if re-educated is the right word, but because uh, we were talking about miseducated last week. So let, let's go to, let's talk about retirement literacy and homeschooling for baby boomers. Once again, if you haven't heard of the book, I suggest that you, uh, and I haven't read it yet myself, but I've watched some videos she put out. It's by Elizabeth White, and the title of her book, um, she's appealed to a wide demographic, 55, I'm right, unemployed, 55, and faking normal. For the people just tuning in, she is... Uh, Elizabeth White is an African-American female who has a battery of degrees, but she's struggling to make it. If you get a chance to watch her videos on um, YouTube, great. But anyway, so let's go to our homeschool authority this morning and see what baby boomers and Generation Xs can do to 
homeschool themselves into prosperity, I guess, or lack of a better word. Uh, good morning, Miss uh, Joyce. Mrs. Joyce, really. Good morning. Good morning, L.A., and good morning to the listeners out there. Uh, Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you perfectly. What do you suggest? uh, I'm I'm trying to get this lady on on the program, but there are a number of baby boomers, um, and that's why I guess she wrote the book. Because uh, she was 55 when she wrote the book I think she might be 62 now But um, And I guess she created a job For herself when she wrote the book Because she's on tour But what? The, but there are a number of people that um, they're, they're not making enough money to retire Or even make ends meet So they they've got this degree and that degree. What do you suggest that uh, a person might do via the homeschool route to reinvent themselves? Yeah, that, you know that's really a good word. Sometimes, as individuals, we have to reinvent ourselves. And you know, I remember during the '60s, you know, following my cousins and you know some of the uh, older people in my family. And, by the way, I am also a baby boomer of that generation as well. But I remember following them during their high school years and their college years, and they had such a bad or negative mentality against white people. And that mentality was, I want to beat the white man at his own game. And so having that, I'm going to explain that in a few minutes. But having that mentality of beating the white man at his own game, don't get me wrong, I was listening to one of your podcasts earlier, and they were talking about how black children really have to compete in this world. That is one of the truest statements, because even as a homeschool mom, my children have had to compete, public school children have to compete, and they have to be two times better. And those are some of the things that we learned as uh, in our elementary uh, years. You have to be two times better than your white counterpart. So back to uh, my cousins during the 60s with this beat the white man at his own game, that was more or less a shyster mentality. And so what guidance counselors would do is there were certain fields of study out there like engineer, of course, teaching, of course, nursing, and all of these were amazing careers for African Americans. However, with that mentality, I think it sabotaged a lot of our African Americans uh, because it stunted them into one specific field until they didn't know what it was like to venture out into anything else. And so Mm -hmm. the advice that I have now is whatever your passions are, and it just goes back to the beauty of homeschooling, finding that specific creativity or creative mindset of our children and what are their talents and what are their abilities so that we can hone in on what that is. And so that's what I tell retired teachers nowadays. There are so many children out here who need our help. So many of our African-American children are reading in proficiently. 
And we need these retired teachers in these churches and in these communities to come out and maybe write curriculum that specifies the uh, learning ability of an African-American student. Now, some people may think, do African-American students learn different from white students? And now my answer to that is, yes, they do because of the culture. And I don't want to get off into that. That's a whole other subject. But when it comes to baby boomers, you know, of which I am one, you have to look at what your talents are right now, what your passions are right now, what's serviceable. Education is serviceable. Writing books like Elizabeth White did, and she's on a tour right now, that's serviceable. Because what that is doing, that is given, that's a total mind paradigm shift right. for our baby boomers. Yeah, because now it's like, you're an expert. If you love to sing, you're an expert. If you love to teach, you're an expert, and you just don't have to do it in a brick-and-mortar institution. You can go out there. You can open up a home school. There are not enough home school structures or entities that are open now to take in all of the children that so desperately need our help. And that's just where education is concerned. You know, what about the elderly in our church? What about them needing uh, credible financiers, people to help them with their daily billings, water bill, electric bill, you know, medicine, someone to help them? I have a friend of mine. That's all she does. She has earned a huge income from helping the elderly, and she's credible. She's not a a thief. She's not going in there uh, taking these el- the money from the elderly. She is going in there. She set up this financial structure, and they trust her, and she manages their finances. Also, politicians, you know, we, as an elected official, we need people who are credible to take care of our finances with, with campaign finances are concerned. I can go on and on about the opportunities, the job opportunities that are available to the to the, the baby boomers just because of your talent, your, um, your, your abilities, whatever you're good at. You need to begin to earn income based on what you're good at. And people will pay you well if you're good at what you do. Now, I agree with you 100%. I think where a disconnect is with many of them, not all, but many of them, uh, baby boomers uh, in particular, is... Um, they're used to, or we're, because I'm a baby boomer too, we're used to um, going for a profession that everybody might know about, okay, like doctor, lawyer, English teacher, something like that, whereas, um, like, I guess one of the hats I wear I'm a blogger. Okay, that's one of the which we're doing right now. We're blogging. All right. So, but if if you're in that traditional mindset, well, you know, you're not going to get that. You're not going to get a degree like that in blogging at um, or homeschool blogger at Harvard University right. because we're at a pace where. We're ahead of the established academic community. Mm-hmm. Colleges, universities, which are businesses, 
they typically see what's you know what's on the radar, and if they see a critical man, but it might through their bureaucracy, it might take them ten or fifteen years to get to where we are right now. All right. Mm-hmm. So uh, just like you've been, you and your husband been homeschooled for what way back. So yeah. it you know and and. You know, now we do, you know, you do have a number of people that are getting their high school diplomas online. You do have a lot of people that are starting to get their high school, I mean, not high school, university diploma online. You even have some people who've gotten law school degrees online. But overall, the miseducation is still out there where the option of homeschooling online or just homeschooling, period, a lot of people have not accepted that idea yet. They'll get to it. No, but... they, no, they haven't. They haven't accepted yeah. the the uh, the reality because it is a sophisticated movement that is out there, and a lot, lots and lots of young people. That millennial generation, a lot of them, I would say, more than probably fifty percent of these families are homeschooling. And so it's going to be different during their, you know, for the, for them over the next ten to twenty years. But right. you know, I was just uh, I was just thinking about the mindset of the people during the sixties and the fifties and early seventies. And you know, it's just you know, you just can't make it any other way unless you get a college degree. And don't get me wrong, three of my children have degrees, and I'm so grateful for that. I wanted them to get a degree. Because or or, or get or get a government job or a union job. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. but baby boomers have graduated with those three things. You know, one, two of my children graduated from college, and two of them have uh, state jobs, and they love it because it's in a field that they are totally excited about. They're passionate about it. But I wanted to say this other thing about baby boomers, especially in the education field, you have got to continue your education as a teacher or a professor in order to stay up with the changing world as we see it with curriculum information, like Common Core is a big thing now, changing, totally changing the way teaching has been over the last 30 or 40 years. Common Core has come in and done that where teachers are concerned. They have to go back and get re, more recertification, and some teachers are getting very frustrated about that. So it's definitely something that, um, that, that needs us looking at. And, and baby boom, what are you going to do? You know, unless you have a government job or unless you've been saving, you know, for, you know, for retirement, what are you going to do? You definitely can't depend on social Security, and you can't depend upon Medicaid, you know. So, um, right. It's well, now, what would you suggest con- to a baby boomer um, that, like, like, say, the uh, the lady uh, Elizabeth White? Like, said, we're going to try to get her on here. Like, said, she was at the time 50, 54, 55, and she wrote a book. All right, so she created her opportunity. But for some people that might not want well, we don't know what our hidden skills are. What What do you suggest to baby boomers or what should they, I mean, there's a lot of things that they they could do, but what do you suggest some opposite baby boomers take, homeschool related? 
Um, like I said earlier, I'm a baby boomer, so it's like, what are you passionate about? Because you will find an audience out there. There's an audience for just about everything available. And so I'm a singer, okay? So I put videos on YouTube because I sing. I, I, I do meditative kind of music, uh, worshipful music. And a lot of people love that. It's like, Joyce, I've got to have you before I get up and do anything. And so there is, there is a cost to access that. And people will pay for it. I'm not saying I'm, I'm rolling in the, the dollars, but it's helping me to earn some measure of an income to take care of my basic needs. And then another thing, too, we have to decide what it is we want. How do we see success? What do we see success as and manage that? You know, we can't always have a lavish lifestyle now, if you want that, go get it. But basically, many of us are not going to have that kind of lavish lifestyle. So we have to stay within a financial structure in order to build financial integrity so that we can live within our means. And if your basic needs are being met, then you're, you're good. You're successful. And so whatever your talents are, uh, whatever your abilities are, music, teaching music, teaching basic course, you like reading. You know, a lot of our children can't read at all. And so based upon that, I think some of these retired teachers or some of these baby boomers, if they're struggling, open up an academy of some sort to teach the basics, especially math. And like I said, especially in the elementary grade level, children turn 8, 9, 10, 12 years old is when they really are struggling. And so I guess you're going to hear that from me because that's truly my passion is, you know, children. And just change the whole structure and even, you know, create yourself as a speaker, especially if you have a, 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 a specific uh, bent. It could be reading. It could be science, especially science, and, or it could be technology, whatever that is. You know, give those short videos on YouTube or online where people can access you right away. So, you know, do speaking opportunities for families. Find you, go Right there in your neighborhood, right there in your community, in your city, you can really be a help to so many families. And even parenting, you know, if, if your skills are parenting or even cooking, young girls don't even cook nowadays, you know. It could be, you know, some of the domestic arts. You know, those things are, are, are slowly, you know, cooking, going away, you know, with the as healthy cooking, you know, I think about people eating in restaurants all the time. That's a whole another story. Is you know, obesity is growing in our communities, and so healthy cooking could really be a big vibe for a baby boomer. And people will look at you and think, well, that person's an expert. They've lived a long time and they've seen many facets of of, um, of cooking and food. And so with you, you know, cooking the healthy food, then that's going to access you a whole different kind of audience. True. I hope that Larry, We got some people that, yeah, it does, it does. We got some people that want to chime in on this. Today's podcast is titled Retirement Literacy, Homeschooling <laughs> for Baby Boomers. Once again, it's the live stream number is 619-768-2945. It, 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 everything you said, people have to be 
proactive. You're, you're not going to find a lot of this yeah. in the classified section of the newspaper. You're going to have to actually, because no. you're right, George, the audience is already there. You just have to make up the mind that you're going to reinvent yourself. Because, like, for instance, people that, that they're retired teachers that are probably listening to this podcast, and all they know is they got their government paycheck for teaching every two weeks. But they, they don't know yeah. the foggiest about how to start a homeschooling business. So, George, could you give out your information for people that might be interested in starting their own homeschool enterprise? Sure. Well, my name is Joyce Burgess, and my contact information is Burgess, B as a boy, U R G as in good, E as in Edgar, S as in Sam, number one, at Outlook.com, or you can contact me via National Black Home Educators, contact at nbhe.net. My phone number is 334-868-2351. All right, and for the baby boomers listening, because many baby boomers, they're in scramble mode, or they might end up in scramble mode. I would kind because, of, like I said, if you if you reach the baby boomer age or even Generation X, you've got a battery of life experiences. But if you, because I've known people that, you know, they went back to school and and got this degree, and then they, they still weren't they were still struggling. They went out and got another degree, was still struggling, and they went out and got a Mary Kay or Amway kit, and was still so. With the, the age that we're living in now, you, you can get the information and meet the people. That's what I love about social media, and get some relevant information in real time and tap in on it. Uh, let's go to our callers now. Four, here we go. Four ten. Your mic is on. Hey, good morning, brother LA. How you doing? Fine, fine, brother Danny. What's up? Okay, I might be a little off centered here. Uh, I'm a baby boomer. Look, I guess about some months back, um, you were talking about social capital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you were always preaching about the lone wolf. And yeah, the thing is, uh, huh? There's a lot of them out there. Well, you know what? As long as you're a lone wolf, and I'm paraphrasing, I guess I'm quoting what, you, what you've been saying. You're going to get eaten up. Because, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the thing yeah, is, uh, if there's a lot of, like you say, there's a lot of baby boomers out here having to work <clears throat> to try and meet, uh, have, uh, you know, meet the ends and everything. But look, um, how long can you go without eating? Not long. You know, everybody needs food, right? Right. Well, food, well the thing food. is, if 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 I'm in a neighborhood and all of us ain't got no job, and excuse my English, and and the thing is, we know that you know people in the neighborhood need something to eat. It seems like to me, common sense would say, look, all of us are out here, we're struggling. Why don't we do like, remember when I uh, talked to you about Reverend Luke down in Alabama somewhere, how he did those poor people? I remember that. I went looking up, I looked up his 
uh, what he was doing at, right after that podcast. Yeah, and the thing is, he said, look, you know what? We're struggling out here. So all of them got together and said, well, look, you know, hey, look, we, we eat. You know, we love to eat. And the thing is, he got them to put their money together using your using your using your uh, idea. He used social capital and said, well, look, if all of us needs to eat something here, we can not only provide food for ourselves, but we can also go out here and uh, put our little money together and have enough to sell to somebody else and create jobs for ourselves. And the thing is, I think that's what's happening to baby boomers. We've been taught to be lone wolves. And they was getting education, go and get you a good job, wait for your pension to come in, get your gold watch and your rod and reel, and you can live on easy street. But see, that that game was played out a long time ago. That horse left, left the stable a long time ago. And the other thing that I experienced when I was in federal service, we were getting ready to start a new program, and we came up with a train the trainer. I don't know if you ever heard of that or not, but what happened is the government sent a bunch of us off to go in and learn something. And our job was to learn it well enough to come back and train the others. And that's something that we don't do in our neighborhood. You got people in our churches and our fraternities and our lodges, our masonry lodges and all that stuff that have skills enough that they can come out and say, well, look, I'm an engineer, but my thing is structure engineering, and I can teach you guys how to go in the cities here and get these cheap houses, and we can go in and we can refurbish them, do it yourself, put them on Section 8, and we can go in and create some extra income for ourselves, and we can go in and, and provide decent housing for our people. Last time I checked, you know, I, I don't live in a tent. I live in a little mm-hmm. small house. And the thing right. is, everybody needs a roof over their head. So those two things, yes, come and get the phone. Those two things, you realize, hey, you got to have food. You got to have a, a decent place to eat, uh, eat and sleep. And the deal is, is this: uh, when I travel around, I, you're from D.C. Have you ever been on Ninth and K Street? Yeah, I'm sure I have. Yeah, Northwest. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I think it is. North, it, it, it might be northeast or northwest. I don't know where it is, but anyway, you know where the old bus station used to be. Oh, I know. I've been there so many times. I know exactly where that is. Yeah, there's a little little cubby hole in there where the agents came in and they got all of those old buildings and everything, and they got distribu- uh, put up a distribution center, and they warehouses in there, and they got where they do uh they distribute food out and and things to their stores. They have a hair care products uh place in there, just a warehouse. And they have different warehouses up in there. Some kind of way if you go down to about past the bus station, you take a the next street over and you can go up in there. I know exactly what is, you're talking about. Say again. You're right. They got. Uh, I took a friend over there a number of years ago. Uh, just, to, I mean, it. They got a lockdown on that warehouse district. You might have 
barely a hand. Well, now this is over 10, 15 years ago. You might have a, a, a at that time. Now, I don't know what it's like now, but at that time, the Asians had a lockdown. You might have had one or two Africans and a West Indian or two that had something else in there, but the rest of it was straight up Asians. That's right. That's right. And, and, and look, sometimes we over overcomplicate stuff. But oh, and you black know people, it, the, the customers that were coming in there were all black, you know, that lived in the neighborhood. Thank you. Thank you. That's right. So my thing is we overcomplicate stuff. Look, you got to have a Ph.D. degree to do this. you got to have – look, go back to the basics, school, clothing, shelter, and transportation. Uh, when I was going to New York and everything, my uncle used to – a bunch of them used to have gypsy cabs. Now it's called Uber. But they had gypsy cabs where the cabs wouldn't go. They'd go and take you where they needed to go. And they had uh, – in Baltimore, they had hacks, they call them. And right. you could call a hack and go wherever you wanted to go. And these guys made pretty good money. But all I'm trying to say is make a long story short. Find out what you need in your community. And if you know a bunch of people that need some extra money and you need know some people that need a job, take Brother L.A.'s advice and use your social security capital and say, well, look, if we put $100 together and there's enough of us, or income tax time, if we take our income tax money, put it together and concentrate on this because we know our people need it, then what happens is life wouldn't be so difficult for us. But if you're going out there thinking that you're going to get re-educated and you're 55 years old and somebody's going to hire you, that ship left port a long time ago. They're looking for young you're people that they can hire real cheap or either they can get a foreigner in here from India to do that job. Or either, let's put it this way, you know, yeah, racism a is alive and well. The first thing they say is, you're an old black person. We don't need you because you might be too old to control. So go well, back to the basics and mm-hmm. use right. your advice and say, social capital. And you go in, and the old saying is, if you want to be a millionaire, find a need and fill it. That's what right. I think Kaiser says, somebody said. Yeah. But well, that's what we fact, need to start back- Right, piggybacking on what you said, um, when one of the videos I watched yesterday afternoon, um, and this was a white woman saying this, it basically by the in this country by the time you get thirty five, that's about the peak. So that's you right. know, from thirty five, no matter what color you are, you like to say that ship sailed a long time ago. Um, that's right. So you're you know, right. Look, LA, I, uh, look, you know what? I'm, I'm from the country. You're a city guy, I guess. You know, but you're out here in the country. You see stuff. Simple stuff. You know what? Um, if you're going up and down 95, I don't know if you've ever traveled 95 or not. You see these careers going down to Florida, getting produce and everything. And coming back up in the city, or either they're going to coming down here down south, where all of these, uh, where Cape May is one of the furthest north, but you can go to these fish markets, and the boats are coming in every Friday. And I try to get some of the guys uh, up there to do it. And when those boats come in, fresh fish, you can come in and, and buy boatloads of fish if you got the money. But now here's the thing like you said before, if you're a lone wolf, 
or you don't know how to use social capital. I got $1,000 in my pocket. But my $1,000 don't mean nothing if I can't get some other people with $100 or $1,000 apiece to come in and buy a whole boatload of fish and take them up to the city like the Honorable Elijah Muhammad used to do and distribute those fish out. Right. Yeah, I, mean? I bought some fish from the, yeah, I bought some fish from the nation. There's some excellent fish news. But I, you know what? I got a visual right now. <laughs> I'm thinking about the Baltimore, Washington area, particularly Baltimore. Lake Trout, which is very popular up there in black neighborhoods, okay, for yeah. carryout. And yeah. I, I, the Koreans got a lockdown. And, but you, and I never thought about what you said because I've, I've heard people that actually worked on the, um, you know, the, 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 the fish boats out in, you know, Norfolk, Virginia or wherever. And, but you just, you, you provided a link. Because um, even if the churches did it, Pool their resources. Yeah. They can create jobs and, I mean, fishing jobs, cooking jobs. Oh, God. But you're right. The baby boomer generation, to the high degree, were brought up to be lone wolves. That's right. And, look, we don't use social capital because, now, look, if, I, if right now, uh, L.A., you know, I think I told you a long time ago, of course, uh, you know, they they still ain't listening to me. I can take you to my community right now and show you some poker games every Friday evening. There is about, I guess, maybe five or $600 on the table, table stake. You got to have that. And right. there's about five or six poker games in this area every Friday night, and they don't stop until Sunday morning. And a lot of them is out here borrowing money from people because they know if they go home to the old lady, they're going to, they're going to catch, you know what, because they ain't paying the bills. But the thing is, we use social capital the wrong way. We're out here trying to do something very complicated, and all you got to do is just think simple. You know, there was a principle that they told us to use. It's a KISS, K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid. And that's that's what you got to do. You know, look, I'm I'm 68 years old. I ain't going back to school. I'm going to look at YouTube, either I'm going to read a book. But now, right. last time I checked, before I called you, I just finished eating breakfast. Hey, you know what? There's farmers out here. You get enough money, you can buy the whole field of produce, whole field of watermelons, whole field of cantaloupes, and you can buy produce down here real cheap anywhere you go. And if you got enough money, you can get a truck and have it come in from California. But the thing is, if you think small, you're going to die fast. And that's what black folks are guilty of, thinking small and not thinking outside of the box. And I'm going to get off and let somebody else talk. Okay, thank you, Karen. Excellent uh, input. Uh, 407 area code, your mic is open. Well, good morning, Joyce, and good morning, L.A. Um, this is Viata with Soul Purpose Healing, Blog Talk Radio. And um, I was thinking about retirement and baby boomers. One thing I have observed Uh, after being in the house cleaning business for over 10 years is that baby boomers and people who are retiring are close to being hoarders. And uh, one of the things that we baby boomers have to do is start downsizing. We're not going to take this stuff to the grave, but most of my relatives, friends who are over 55 are hoarding, if not uh, 
holding on to their stuff until they've got, you know, a three-bedroom house. Nobody lives there but them, but it's full of their stuff. So I met a young couple at the flea market who was really, uh, they were really struggling at one time, they told me. They wanted uh, food stamps and federal assistance. And they started selling an herbal product at the flea market that became so popular that today they have two stores where they sell their herbal product and a lot more. And so they're doing very, they got all food stamps, all that. So we baby boomers uh, need to learn from uh, entrepreneurs like them that if you take your stuff to the flea market, not only may you, you know, make a few dollars to buy gas or whatever you need at the moment, but you meet some very interesting people at the flea market. You have a lot of uh, merchants come to flea market looking to buy stuff for their stores. You have uh, visitors from out of town going to flea market. You, you, there's such a range of people that you can meet at a flea market. So my my suggestion is that baby boomers start uh, detaching, downsizing, and getting into smaller residences and get rid of all that stuff, especially if it's in a storage unit. Uh, that stuff will be there till you die. So you might as well get rid of it because you're not going to use it next year. It's just that's the priorities I think baby boomers need to have is start downsizing. They can sell some of that stuff for income as well. Now, just on a closing Absolutely. note, now you're, that's a market. Yeah, you're a member of a, a social capital group uh, up in the Orlando area. Uh, I guess we can even put together a workshop on this, but because uh, the idea is great, form a group of people, you know, social capital, form a group to, well, in your case, you know, renovate a house. What would, just knowing a little bit about what's happening with your social capital group, what would you suggest? Because a person could probably make a career out of this. How to properly organize a social capital group. Any suggestions on that? Well, again, doing things like flea markets, you meet people. Where go to? I think go to events where you can meet other people who have the same like mind, who have the same interests, the same goals, same intentions. I think that's where you start. I mean, you have to get to know these people. One thing I learned in this social capital group, I didn't know uh, one of the people that well, and so now we've come up with all these conflicts in this relationship of social capital and renovating a house. So I think, number one, get to know the people who you want to be involved in a business with or anything with. Get to know them first on a social level, whatever, and really, you know, make a list of priorities and goals in your own life before you even get into that. And then start setting goals as, as to what you want to accomplish uh, in your uh, entrepreneur or social capital group. Okay. Um, and there's a number of things we're not going to get on because we're at the end of this podcast. But checks and balances and um, conflict resolution. Um Absolutely. Uh, but anyway, that's that's a whole separate podcast. All right. Well, we're we're going to cover this again, maybe even tomorrow. Retirement literacy, homeschooling for baby boomers. On that note, everyone have a good rest of the day. 